The Athletic. So here we are then. The World Cup is just days away. 32 squads, 26 players in each of them and a manager to lead them carrying the hopes and dreams of a nation. But is managing at international level an attractive proposition for the very best? On the flip side, our national team managers in the conversation to be the head coach at elite clubs that expect Champions League glory. We'll also hear during this pod from Maurizio Pochettino and his thoughts on whether he'd take the England job. Pochettino writing for The Athletic during the World Cup, along with the likes of Jesse March, Leah Williamson, Yaya Toure and Clint Dempsey. I'm Mark Chapman. This is The Athletic Football Podcast. So with us today to give us a view from Spain on the allure of international football management, we have Paul Ballas plus German writer Rafa Honigstein will give us a German perspective later on in the pod. Uh, and also with us on this one from The Athletic, Adam Leventhal, who will be hosting this podcast for you throughout the World Cup every day from uh, Qatar. So uh, this is uh, this is the handover podcast, isn't it, Adam? Is it? Is this, this is like when... when you know, one Olympics finishes and they hand over the flag to the country takeover in four years' time. Is it emotional? Hugely emotional moment. I'm just hoping that it is more like the handing over of the, you know, the flag or the flame rather than, you know, a, a really sort of bad handover in a, in a four by 100 relay or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully it's a bit yeah. more seamless than that. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, also, what doesn't happen when the flag is handed over that a, a few months down the track, the flag is then handed back because I would quite like it back if that's yes, all right. Yes, quite right. Go into the quite new right. year. We're just pop, <laughs> popping a pass and I'll pop it back after the tournament. No problem. <laughs> uh, we're talking this pod on, on managing at, at international level. And interestingly, I was doing a pod on Ronaldo and Messi yesterday. And, and one of the points that Carl Anker made there is, you know, if neither of them do win a World Cup, how much does it really matter because they have won Champions Leagues, for example? At management level, is it bigger to, to win the Champions League than the World Cup? It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you obviously look at the two elements, you know, club and country and the club environment is so much more vociferous isn't it it's so much more connected with the with the fan base and it is much more of a, an ongoing narrative but i think that everyone would would agree that the world cup is the pinnacle and if you are going to go and win a world cup that is almost the trump card it, it sort of beats anything but i suppose you could also compare it as whether you were just simply competing in the champions league and competing at the World Cup, how do those two things compare? Because I think a lot of people will see managers who get an opportunity to simply go to a World Cup and manage. And I think they'd be pretty jealous because it is still the pinnacle. The, the, the magnitude of being able to compete at that level, I think, is is pretty significant. I suppose it's sort of it's similar to higher education, really, in a way that, you know, it's not for everyone. But if you do then go through your career and you have managed at a World Cup, I think everyone would agree that it's going to open doors for you down the line. So I, th I still think, yes, it might not be the thing that everyone gets the most excited about because some club fans are just far more into their clubs than their countries. But the World Cup, it's just, it's just bigger. It's, 
it's better and it's it's ultimately the trump card do you think paul international management in the main is either there still for the older manager the older coach or for those who need rebuilding i think international management probably suits better a manager that already has some experience because it's not that much about being proactive in tactics and just having some bright ideas and just try them out because you don't have time to practice it. So basically, you should be better in terms of man management, in terms of know how to move inside the dressing room and how to treat players, basically. And that's why we see maybe the profile of managers that we tend to see in international management. Having said that, um, I also think that there are profiles of everything because I think that Roberto Martinez at, at Belgium, he has been an interventionist and Luis Enrique in Spain, he's been an interventionist too. As long as we advance on time, probably we are going to see like managers that are able to leave like they, they, their their blueprints on the on the national teams. But I'd say it, it's a tougher job and it's, and, and it's probably like the better manager that you have in a national team. It doesn't mean that it's going to help you out like winning a World Cup because it's like such a short competition that you need to be so focused from the first minute that sometimes you don't have time to, yeah. I mean, it's a good point Paul makes on Roberto Martinez, isn't it, Adam? I mean, that that has rejuvenated him. Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a funny career that he's had, but I think that every job that he's had, he's he has actually, he's taken a step forward, obviously starting at at Swansea, he was identified as you know playing good football. Then moved on to Wigan, almost had his domestic peak there, didn't he? Winning the FA Cup and you know surprising people and surviving in the in the Premier League. And then, although you now <laughs> look back at his Everton time and think, oh, it didn't quite go to plan, and maybe the maybe the mud might have stuck on him in terms of you know. Premier League owners and, and chairman and, you know, they were an attractive side, but they didn't necessarily defend as well as they, they should have done and things like that. You actually look back at it now in comparison with some of the, the people that followed and he did, he did do pretty well. And to have then got that Belgium job, I think people probably thought, well, he's, he's done all right there. That's, that's a, a bit of a dream ticket because you are going in as a relatively inexperienced manager, but with a, a godsend of a squad and he's done well. He's maybe not exceeded expectations, but he's sort of in the realms of the, you know, that that golden generation challenge whereby this is his last chance saloon. He's sort of he's he's got to do it at this World Cup. Otherwise, I guess he will be deemed as a re- a relative relative failure because he hasn't delivered with that with that brilliant bunch of players. I suppose in the main here, do you think, Paul, when we're talking about international management and characteristics and the different groups that they may come from, we're we're mainly looking at it from a European point of view. Do you think it's it's different in different continents? Maybe we're looking. Yeah, maybe we're looking from the uh, European side. I think that, like in especially like in South American countries, I mean. Um, they really need like a local manager or it's something that Pep, when he has been asked about like managing uh, national teams, he has, a, he, he has always said that he feels that Argentina needs a local manager, Brazil needs a local manager. So pro- probably that's, that's another factor like in some nations that they need managers who know the, the, uh, the, the idea, how the people are, how the national team is. Um, so yeah, it's, Again, it's something like it's it's more than knowing about tactics. It's just like yeah, knowing like the idiosyncrasies of of a country itself. Well, one of the reasons, yeah, one of the reasons I mentioned that because whilst we were talking about you know Roberto Martinez, Adam, I I, I thought I was thinking actually about 
Canada's manager, John Herdman, who is who we interviewed on this pod last season. I'm sure it'll still be somewhere on this feed, somewhere, somewhere out there in the ether. And um, he is he he was from the northeast of England, fascinating to talk to, had coached Canada's women's team and actually his success from coach the Canada's women's team when he then took over the men it was kind of seen as a step down because of what he'd done with the Canada's women's team but he wanted to put in place the same systems that he had got within the women's team to try and build up the men's squad to get them to a competitive stage for the next World Cup in 2026. So I am wary, I suppose, of of lumping all 32 international managers in together because I think it is different in different continents and in different countries depending on where they are on their football journey. For different countries at different levels, it means something different in terms of their career. Obviously, sometimes it will be seen as almost like a, a retirement home for for really experienced managers, or maybe you know, like a manager like Louis Van Gaal, who's had I think it's three spells, you know, in charge of of the Netherlands. You know, he can sort of pop back and come back in, and he's just it, it's his job as and when he wants it. But then for those managers like John Herdman, and he'd managed I think he'd managed New Zealand uh, women's team prior to Canada as well, hadn't he? So, you know, this is seen as a as a springboard opportunity for, for the likes of, of John Herdman, who who will now be open to a, a UK audience, having you know done his time doing very sort of excellent technical work in the women's game, then obviously transferring it through into into Canada. A great opportunity for him. It's a similar similar thing, I suppose, for for Rob Page, who was not really having his his own way in, in terms of domestic manage, uh, management with uh, in England. Um, and he has now just stepped up a level and he's he was obviously filling in for when Ryan Giggs was was away but he's taken that job on he's made it his own and he will now have gone right well now I should I need to at least be coming in at, at championship level or or maybe I might even get a premier league opportunity who knows so yeah it it the world cup and and reaching that pinnacle means very different things for for very different managers at different levels, doesn't it? It's also like part of the culture like of every county. I, I don't see any big national team in Europe having the patience just to give a project to, to any kind of manager. I don't see uh, France going out on quarterfinals um, of this World Cup and not having changes within the management uh, staff. So probably like, I guess that in Canada, um, they've had like the vision just to have a bet on like a long-term project and, jo- and John Herman did like really great taking advantage of that. But it's also part of the culture that uh, top nations that are used to winning, that are used to have like uh, elite teams, pro- probably they just don't, don't want to, to afford years of, 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 of not winning just to invest on a project, basically. Let's talk about Luis Enrique, shall we? Because we, we mentioned him uh, as well as Roberto Martinez. He's, um, he's set up his own Twitch account. Hola a todos. Streamers del mundo, apartaros que voy cuesta abajo y sin frenos. I mean, he's a great character. Um, um, he's been, like, not discussed, but he's had, like, a tremendous relationship with media. It comes from the day that he was a footballer. He's, he's so, like... A, he, he's a dead honest guy that he, he can tell anything he feels to, uh, straight to the media. Um, and he's been a bit like that with the national team. All the selections that he's done um, have been questioned. I can remember that on the last Euros, he was like really pressured because there, the, 
there were no no Real Madrid players on the on the national team <laughs> squad. Um, but he just don't care. He just don't care, and yeah, and he just thinks, and I think that he's right that he is above all that, and that's a bit why he opened like a tweet channel right now, in my opinion, just to know that he can communicate and just be on the top of the narrative and just tell his story from his side without journalists. That's kind of the re representation of Luis Enrique, who is, in my opinion, the true leader of that Spanish national team. When, when I'm asked, who do I think that is the main character here? If Pedri, if, I don't know, if Gabi, if Busquets. No, 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 forget about it. It's Luis Enrique. Do you think the fact that he doesn't care actually helps him? Yeah, absolutely. It helps him and it helps the, the squad because it's a young squad, uh, they, they are going through like a change of guard, and having this manager that is able to put him in front of everything and just to take all the bullets that media or anyone could take, it's just a protection so big for for young footballers who just try to build something in the national team. And I think that it was proven on the Euros when he defended Alvaro Morata until the very last extent. And it proved right for him. He has invested or he has gambled on Pedri and Gavi, who were questioned back in the day in Spain because of their lack of experience. And it proved well uh, as well. So I think that he kind of gives a platform to the player to shine, basically. If he leaves, this is a two-part question. If he was to leave the Spain job, are there lots of candidates who could take over from him? And secondly, he would be in quite big demand, wouldn't he, from some of Europe's biggest clubs, which might not be the case for, for all international managers. Yeah, I think in terms of, of the first question, there's not been a lot of noise around it, basically because the Spanish FA is like so consistent in that they believe in Luis Enrique and that there's no option until Luis Enrique basically decides to leave. I guess that if he was up to leave, some Spanish managers like Marcelino Garcia Toral, like the former Villarreal manager, or even... Unai Emery, not, maybe not now that, that he's at Paston Villa, but they could be like the kind of profiles that would be considered. But yeah, I mean, Luis Enrique is going to stay here as long as he wants to. It felt like this World Cup could be the end of his project, but on the event of unveiling of the squad that is going to Qatar, he said that he would try to convince Sergio Busquets to go with him to the next World Cup. So it was a bit, wow, okay. So it's, it's going to be like four, four more years. So let's see how it goes. But it wouldn't surprise me if he leaves after this World Cup because he's a manager that he's, he's made to, to manage a big team, in my opinion. I could put the same questions to you about England and Gareth Southgate, couldn't I, Adam? I think at the moment you, you sort of view his, his, his star as slightly, slightly on the wane. And we're hoping, as England fans, we're hoping that it just sort of rises back up and, and everything goes, you know, goes swimmingly at this World Cup but I think everyone's sort of fearing a little bit that maybe the pressure might be coming because of obviously his 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 various policies of, of sticking with with um with players that might not be in the best of form I'm obviously looking at Harry Maguire and players and players like that but in terms of him as a as a as an entity I think it's going to be very difficult for anyone to to follow in his footsteps because he's he's more than a manager isn't he really he's he's more of a a, a diplomat. He's more of a you know a sporting director. He's more of someone that just takes charge of the the overall strategy. And I suppose that that is because he has been part of the you know the the football association model for what is it since 
2013, I think, when he was the under-21s boss. So he's 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 steeped in the whole process. And I suppose, you know, harping back to, to the point I made about, you know, sticking with players that might be unpopular to, you know, wider fan groups and things like that. He's doing it for a reason because he's had an opportunity to build a group of players. And that is important if you're trying to actually go on and, and win a tournament. And you know he has he's managed to do that so far in terms of getting close being you know in a semi-final and, and a final in the last two tournaments so yes from his point of view going beyond the england job who knows but hopefully it is after the euros rather than straight after the world cup for his sake i suppose if you win it you walk away don't you if you don't you do you not think? Well, I mean, I, why, I, why take why take the hassle anymore if you win it? But I don't know whether he he sees it as and I know you know you've spoken to him recently after the squad announcement and things like that. And yes, that there, there are there's huge stresses and strains on being the England manager. But he seems to have you know through his own experiences in his own career, he's built up that fortitude that he seems to sort of enjoy it or at least relish the opportunity and and feels very honored to be in that position and he's he's made that job a different job so I wouldn't be surprised. Look, I mean, we are slightly getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? You know, when he wins, yes, when he wins the World Cup, he, he can, you know, can he maybe he can stay on or maybe he can do this or do that or whatever. But it wouldn't surprise me if, hypothetically, he were to win the World Cup, he would say, well, no, look, I, I'm, I'm building a group. He's, it's not the big I am. It's not, he's not like a Louis van Gaal sort of character, is it? It's not Louis van Gaal's World Cup. It, it would be... It would be Gareth Southgate has led the England team to a to a World Cup, and you know it's there's it's you know the whole sort of there's no I in team and and all that sort of stuff. He's very much of that ilk, isn't he? Typical English, hey Paul, already talking about England <laughs> winning the World Cup, hey. I mean, you're you're the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> what did Del Bosque do after he won the World Cup? Del Bosque, basically, I think that he was probably one of the smartest managers uh, because I think that, the, yeah, he won the World Cup, he won the Euros. I, I think that his legacy, I mean, he was one of these managers that he was really good with the dressing room as well. He was. And he knew how to put the right players, find the right balance just to take the best of the team. And when it got, like, too big, he left. Uh, he did, uh, well, he... He didn't do the same with Real Madrid because he was sacked, he was fired. But when he struggled at Real Madrid was like the, was when the Galacticos became toxic, maybe. Um, but while the team doesn't reach that point, Del Bosque is the, was the perfect man to, to, yeah, just to be the national team manager. With Gareth as well, you have to, you know, we were talking about it being a springboard and things like that. But he, he would have never expected his his rise to have happened like this it was very accidental that he got this opportunity and he just seemed to sort of hit the ground running and just seemed to arrive at just the right time and there were the ingredients were right and he seems to have sort of grown into it very very well so it'd be interesting to see where he thinks he would like to go after this does he think after his experiences at Middlesbrough which which didn't end well ended in a relegation and things like that if he actually thinks well I've I've now sort of grown myself into this into an international manager I don't necessarily want to go and and manage at domestic level because it's always interesting when you hear from international managers and domestic managers the grass is always greener you always have the club managers sort of haggard and you know tired bags under the eyes going oh god yeah it's an easy job him pitching up and sitting in the director's box and then vice versa 
the international manager saying, well, I'd, you know, I'd love to have more time out on the training pitch with my players. So, you know, it, it's never a, an ideal scenario for, for either. But I just wonder whether Gareth Southgate will think, well, no, maybe I now need to head into more of a sort of a sporting director role where I can come in and, and convert a club in the same way as I've managed to convert the country. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hello there. This upcoming World Cup, what are The Athletic going to be doing about it? Well, I'm James Richardson and every night I'll be hosting a totally football show with the likes of Raphael Honigstein, James Horncastle and the rest of the Totally crew. Then every morning from Qatar, wham, The Athletic Football Podcast will be at you with David Ornstein, Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and many more. There'll also be World Cup content from Adam Hurry's Football Clichés Podcast, Michael Cox's insightful Athletic Football Tactics Podcast and Joe Devine's TIFO Podcast with all the stories that matter from Qatar. All in all, The Athletic is your essential audio companion for the upcoming World Cup. Let's move on to Germany uh, and hear from Raf Honigstein now uh, on Germany's World Cup winning former coach Joachim Love, uh, the current manager and also the attraction of the national team job uh, to leading German managers. I think the Germany job still holds a huge attraction for any German manager, but it has to come at the right time. For Hansi Flick, after his little adventure with Bayern, which finished slightly prematurely because he'd fallen out with Hassan Salihamidzic, the Bayern sporting director, the national manager job was the logical step. He'd worked at a German FA before. He was Lewis' assistant. He would work with a lot of the players. He'd worked at Bayern. Everyone liked him. So it was kind of a no-brainer uh, for him. I th- also, I think he, unlike, let's say, Nagelsmann, didn't really harbor many ambitions to coach abroad, although I understand there were discussions with Tottenham and he was tempted at one stage. But the national team was always, I think, the, the right spot for him. Otherwise, yeah, I think it's similar to the situation in England with the difference that uh, German managers can get a lot of jobs whereas English managers have a really hard time both domestically and abroad I think to uh, to get these kind of offers German managers in hot demand a lot of it is down to the work of of Klopp but also Tuchel and Nagelsmann being I think the next one who will go quite far after Bayern and yeah, there's also a history of longevity at the German FA because managers tend to stick around. The German FA are very forgiving. And I think if it was down to Flick, he could easily do this now for the next 10 years, which incidentally I think is one of the reasons why Klopp decided to stay at Liverpool. I think he did have his eye and does have his eye on the Germany job, but it's not going to be available anytime soon, which I think uh, influenced his thinking. Yeah, and Joachim Löw, I think there's a feeling that he lost his way a little bit towards the end of his uh, reign. A lot of weird decisions, too soft, I think, in um, his dealings with some players. Also, a little bit vague in his tactical ideas. 
that kind of focus, I think, had gone a little bit after winning the World Cup. Maybe it's inevitable that that happens to you as a coach. He's also, I think, seen as somebody who isn't necessarily a workaholic, um, which perhaps goes against him when it comes to coaching club sides. He hasn't coached a club side in, in 20 years now, so or nearly 20 years. So it is a, it is a long, long time to go back into club football. I think that's why maybe there's a bit of a hesitancy when it comes to offering him offering him jobs. Um, I think he has offers from places like Turkey and maybe one or two lesser Bundesliga sides, but I think in his mind he will only contemplate the top, let's say, six or seven jobs in the world and I don't think they think they come around that often. Adam, it's interesting what Raf said there about Klopp deciding to stay at Liverpool because he has an eye on the German job eventually. I mean, I'm sure there are other reasons for staying at uh, Liverpool uh, as well. That, that feels very different. I, I wouldn't imagine an English manager chooses to stay at a club to give him more time to get the England job. Well, yeah, and also you it's a little bit of a dangerous dangerous game, isn't it? Because you know, we've heard we've heard from Jurgen Klopp and look, I'm not I'm not speaking ill of 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 Jurgen Klopp in any way or maybe I am, but you know that there, there there have been little but not meaning I'm to I'm not meaning to meaning to you know he's well respected he he's able to sort of speak broadly on all sorts of different topics and that might actually be a skill that is needed in in international management as we've as we've seen but there have been little signs that you know maybe maybe there there is a need to sort of evolve at Liverpool and he's spoken in the past about you know what's great about being the Liverpool manager the money he said that very openly in one of those interviews. You know, he said, you know, I get a big contract. I, I get paid very, very handsomely. And obviously he's a he's a very, very committed football man. But it is a dangerous game. If if that sort of perception is, oh, he, he is sort of hanging around a little bit to get his own personal timing right. It doesn't necessarily sort of, the optics aren't great if if form isn't going too well in, in the, uh, domestically when you've been doing very well. And there has been a little bit of a slide. So, yeah. We will, we will see. I mean, look, in terms of England managers thinking that they might get the, the England manager's job, it's, it's a pretty sort of barren pool at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> and obviously we can't talk Klopp uh, without ta- talking Guardiola. I mean, you obviously have to talk about them both on, on virtually any subject. But Guardiola and international football management is a lot more complicated, Paul. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated. And I think that the decision over Guardiola's extension at Man City is not going to be uh, determined because of Spain's success, because I don't see him fitting on like a Spanish national team. Uh, but yeah, I know that it's something that the, all the managers, including Guardiola, have into account just how a World Cup develops, how it pans out to see how the teams, how the players in every national team are, and just to see if it's, I don't know if it's worth it is the word, but if it's the best place to go to a certain national team. I guess that managers like Klopp, like Pep, want to manage a team that is hungry to win, that um, is just relishing for like big trophies and big success. Seeing what they do like in World Cups or in Euros and how, yeah, just how the ambition of the group is, it's something that they take into account like for future uh, decisions. But yeah, I know that maybe Pep's wish or desire to go on international football is not going to happen anytime soon, maybe. 
but it's still there and it's something that Pep has in mind. So let, let, let's see how it goes because Spain is definitely like off the table, but any U European national team could be on it. Let's move on to Maurizio Pochettino on the Athletic Football Pod. He'll be a columnist for the Athletic during the World Cup. Uh, and he's been talking to Jack Pitt-Brook. We can hear a bit of it now. Would you only manage Argentina? No, I think he's... In Argentina, he's um, amazing coaches. And it's, uh, for sure, it's going to be tough. It's about timing also. Yeah. But I, I am not close, maybe, uh, to manage another, another um, national team in the world. Because I'm sure lots of people in England, or even Spain or other countries, would like you to manage their, their national team. Well, of course, uh, my relationship with England now is nearly 10 years when I arrived to Southampton, always was very good, very good relationship with the, with the academies, uh, you know, uh, building, uh, trying to help to develop young players for the national team. Yes, I feel so comfortable here. You never know. And then it's a tricky question because if I say yes, uh, in Argentina, you know, I say, oh, uh, look, Mauricio uh, want to manage England. Is a uh, um, I don't know traitor. How you say uh, try, uh, traitor. traitor? Traitor. But that is football, you know. It's football, um, and you never know what uh, what happened. And and I am open uh, to everything. Would you ever be in the mix for the Spain job, Paul? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. Um, basically, because I think that work he has like the more credit and just basically the biggest background on his career is in England uh, with the job that he did at Southampton and, and at Tottenham. In Spain, his, his time at Espanyol w w wasn't bad either, but it wasn't great. So I'd say that the memories that he has here like in Spanish clubs are, are not as successful as, as in England. He was linked with the Real Madrid job every now and then, but he never made that step. Pro probably if he goes to Real Madrid, and if he thrives, then he's going to be like in a, in a stage or in a platform to be considered maybe as a Spanish national team manager. But right now, I don't see him being like on, on, in contention to be in that position. But basically also because I think that um, just, just to have a manager from abroad in certain national team, you have to be like very sure that he's like the right man and that he really knows the culture and, and everything. And yeah, maybe... I, I don't know if, if, if now he will be part of the conversation, if I'm honest. All right, final thought from you, by the way, on, on this pod. How, how is Spain going to go at this World Cup? I think, well, on paper, I can see like more than five national teams that have more firepower than, than Spain. So probably like the realistic target for them or what we should expect for them would be like reach the quarterfinals and then everything that comes from here is like, it's like, a, it's like a bonus. But I think that they will compete against anyone. I think that they will put things difficult against anyone. I really believe that Lu Luis Enrique knows how to manage this team. So, yeah, just watch out for them because they can make it to semifinals or they can be like, yeah, they, they, they can provide some big teams with an upset. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for coming on the pod. It's been a pleasure. Um, Adam, good luck with it all uh, over the next few weeks. Watch out for Crafton. He's become a bit showbiz and uh, like has various demands. Uh, Laurie Whitwell can be a bit difficult and cynical if you ever talk about Manchester United. So they're the couple of tips that I would have. Thank you very much. I will take the advice on board. Much appreciated. <laughs> Enjoy the World Cup. Pods every day with Adam and the team. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.